I'm pulling out my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Okay, so I've been doing uh, a series of podcasts on War of the Spark. We're up to Jay. That means we start with Jace, wielder of mysteries. So he costs one blue, blue, blue. So that's four mana total, three which is blue. Uh, legendary planeswalker, Jace. He's loyalty of four. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. Plus one, target player puts the top two cards of a library into the graveyard, draw a card. Minus eight, draw seven cards. Then if your library has no cards in it, you win the game. Okay, a couple things here. First off, uh, when you're doing 36 Planeswalkers, or 37 with the buy box, um, you want to make sure that each one of them is pretty distinct from one another. And so we we're definitely trying to make our Planeswalkers a little, a little narrower in focus. Um, so Jace clearly is doing... I mean, Jace is the mental planeswalker, and so we're, we're just going all in on the milling. I mean, obviously his plus one also gets you some card drawing to help you uh, play it. But it, the idea is um, that this is going to mill, 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 either mill you out or mill out the opponent. Um, the nice thing about his his uh, static ability is it's an alt-win ability, uh, an alternative win ability. It's the first one ever to be on a planeswalker. Um, and what it says is, look, you can mill the opponent or you can mill yourself. If you mill yourself, like... There's a route to... Normally, if I mill my opponent, there's a route to victory. Once my opponent cannot draw a card, they lose the game. Well, with Jace in play, milling myself is also a route to victory. That if I mill myself and I... I you know, Sort of the same way it works that if I ever get my opponent to be unable to draw a card. Now, if I get my library empty, I will win the game. So it gives you different options of how to play it. Um, and the reason, by the way, it says uh, in the minus eight uh, that if you have no cards, you win the game is... That we didn't want you to have exactly eight loyalty. You use his final ability. You mill. Um, you draw seven cards, and then you've emptied your library. But now you don't win the game because he's not in play anymore. So that is why that is there. Um, it's the same. Uh, Hotley has the same thing. I'll, I'll mention that when we get to Hotley. Oh, have I already done Hotley? Um, oh no, no, it wasn't Hotley. It was Samut. When I get to Samut, uh, she has a similar thing where we write something twice so that doesn't happen. Uh, but anyway, we designed Jace just to be very Jacey. Um, we knew that he was going to be... We uh, All the current Gatewatch... Uh, Kaya becomes Gatewatch, but she's uncommon. But all the current Gatewatch uh, are rare or mythic rare on the set. As are the, the major characters. Um, and Jace is one of the, one of the big characters. We, we thought definitely he'd, he deserves a, a, a fun rare card. Okay, next. Jaya's Greeting. One, one in a red. Instant. Jaya's Greeting deals three damage to target creature. Scry one. So one of the things that we try to differentiate between Jaya and Chandra is that Jaya, uh, having a lot more time to have worked on her magic, is much more precise in her her uh, pyrotechnics, if you will. Um, that her pyromancy is is a little more like like Chandra. One of the big arcs of Chandra in the Bolas arc is her learning a little bit more restraint. Chandra is not known for her restraint. She, uh, and that the idea is her magic's always been a bit explosive, and working with Jaya, she's made it a little, a little more exact. Um, the reason I just pointed this one out is I, we had talked about how we wanted to make a signature card for each, um, each planeswalker. I like the idea that, you know, a direct damage spell is Jaya's. I just like it's called Jaya's Greeting, as if, yeah, that's the way Jaya says hello. I think that's funny. It makes me laugh, so that, I think that's funny. Okay, speaking of Jaya, now we get to Jaya Venerated Fire Mage. Four in a red, legendary planeswalker Jaya, uh, loyalty five. Uh, if another red source you control will deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals that damage plus one to that permanent or player instead. 
minus two, Jaya Venerated Fire Mage deals two to any target. Um, okay, a couple things. One is uh, we knew we wanted to do Jaya. We knew she was going to be mono red. She's a mono red character. And we knew we wanted her to do direct damage. She's a you know, pyromancer. Um, one of the things that we were trying to do is make sure we have some different differentiation between Chandra and Jaya. Uh, we decided we'd do Jaya with the more straightforward pyromancer. And we played into impulse. I talked this, I talked this in the previous podcast that Chandra played more into the impulsive, her impulsiveness with the impulsive draw. Um, so the static ability, um, we like the idea that it just ups your damage. Um, it says another, we've talked about whether or not she was supposed to do one damage to any target, but then it counted herself. And what we decided is normally it just tends to confuse players and, and makes the card read less exciting. Uh, so now what we tend to do is just the card does the thing and it says other. That way the card is the most powerful, it reads the most powerful, uh, yet it plays the same way. Okay, next, Zhang Yangu, Wildcrafter. Two and a green. Legendary Planeswalker, Yangu, Loyalty 3. Okay, so each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on, on it has tap, add one mana of any color, minus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So originally, the put a plus one, plus one counter target creature was the green-white hybrid card. It was a Johnny originally, back when a Johnny was uncommon. Um, when we decided to move a Johnny up to rare, it didn't make a lot of sense. And, and then we changed the ability to p- put counters on everybody. Um, we realized there still was a good chance for an uncommon that put plus and plus one counters on it. Uh, if it wasn't green-white, because it didn't quite make sense for Huatli, uh, it made sense in mono-green or mono-white. Slightly more in, in mono-green. Um, so anyway, um, uh, Yangu, and uh, the last name is the uh, in Chinese, uh, your your uh, family name goes first and your familiar name goes second. So um, if you're going to refer to him by his first name, it's actually the second as written. So Yangu. Um, so Yangu, his shtick is he has a little dog Mao that comes around with him. Uh, and he has the ability to enhance creatures. Uh, his big trick is he makes Mao real big. Um, so anyway, the idea of him putting plus and plus one counters on things made a lot of sense. He makes things bigger. Um, we also gave him a sort of generic green ability just to have access to mana. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't... His character has is, is not been super explored yet from a... Uh, from sort of his abilities. We decided to give him sort of a base green ability, just allowing you to play other colors would be good. Um, one of the things uh, in this set is because there's access to a lot of gold cards, we wanted to give you a couple different ways to get to different colors. So and be, we thought it was neat to have one of the green planeswalkers do that. Uh, I think we looked at a bunch of green planeswalkers and he made the most sense. Uh, it's not that he was a slam dunk for the ability as much as other other characters that were green want to do other things. And it made sense with him, so we, we, put, we put that there. Um, oh, by the way, I've learned something. Uh, so one of the things I, I've talked about on my blog is how he can he can travel with Mowu, and that's very normally a player a player uh, sorry planeswalker can't can't uh, planeswalk with a living thing. That's a big shtick of the planeswalkers. Um, and I kept saying, oh well, it's a special exception, you know, that different planeswalker sparks work differently. Turns out, by the way, I didn't know this until I read it in the book. Um, so uh, Mowu or sorry Yangu is playing into. Uh, a Chinese myth, I think. Uh, anyway, the idea is Mao is made out of uh, stone, I think, uh, stone or wood. Um, but it, it, it's a it's a Chinese it's a Chinese myth, and so the idea of a dog made out of this this unreal material is something that's like a a recognizable thing in China, and so it's playing into that trope. I didn't know that trope, uh, so 
Um, so I don't know whether that matters or not, meaning that Mao is not, although Mao is a creature card, I don't know. Anyway, I, he can travel with Mao. That is part of his spark. Mao might not be a normal flesh, flesh uh, dog necessarily, although he looks like a dog. But anyway, a little, a little behind-the-scenes knowledge on that. Okay, next, Karn, the Great Creator. So, costs four generic mana. Legendary Planeswalker Karn, loyalty five. Uh, he has static ability that says, activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. Uh, so he shuts down your opponent's artifacts. Uh, plus one, until your next turn, up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness, each equal to its converted mana cost. So, uh, if you guys know the old, uh, what was it called? Um, Titania's Boon. Titania, uh, Titania, not Titania's Boon. Song, Titania's, ah, there's an early magic card that turns out your artifacts as a green card. Titania something. I'm blinking on the name. Uh, and then minus two, you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or an exile. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. Uh, as regular readers of mine know, I do not like cards coming back from exile. Uh, I know wishes tend to do that. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, if you use your, um, you know, if you use some card that we feel we deem enough to exile itself, or your opponent got to exile it, not crazy about it coming back. Um, but anyway, uh, he does do that. So uh, Karn has always been very associated with Planeswalker. It's funny. Um, the story behind Karn is uh, the very first Karn card we ever made was the Vanguard Karn card. And we had actually made abilities for the Vanguard cards before we assigned uh, characters to them because we, we didn't know when we were originally making Vanguard cards right off the bat that it was going to be the Weatherlight Saga crew. Um, so we had started making the abilities and then um, we realized there was an opportunity to make it the Weatherlight crew to tie into the story. So what we then did is we went and looked at the cards we had made and said, oh, well, what characters make the most sense? And one of the cards was it turned all your artifacts, made all your non-creature artifacts into, into you know, creatures. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a pretty cool card, but what character would do this? And we said, well, okay, Karn is an art, is an artifact, and he's, you know, he cares for the legacy, so he, he's a keeper of uh, a group of artifacts, and so we put it on him, more like, well, we like this card, and this makes more sense than anybody else. Then, when we went to make his card in Urza's Saga, I think it was, um, we ended up using this ability just because people had associated it from the Vanguard card. And anyway, so it, it started to become uh, Karn's thing, which is kind of funny. Like, like, originally he got this ability only because it was just, it was the Vanguard card we had available. So anyway, this ability is kind of woven through many of the Karn cards. I mean, he definitely has a very artifact-themed uh, flavor. Um, and he has this uh, synergy with artifacts. That's always been true. Um, but it's funny now that he just kind of his animating artifact things has just become a pretty staple Karn ability. Uh, and it kind of started in a very backwards way. Um, one of the tricky things in general, by the way, about uh, doing colorless planeswalkers is you have to, you kind of want to make them a bit nichey. I know Ugin's less nichey, uh, but like Karn, it's like, oh, well, Karn's good in a deck that has a lot of non-creature artifacts, for example. You know, it's, he's not quite as strong. Um, you know, he, that's where he shines. Um, and, you know, that, I, I think it's kind of, as, as, as a co-creator of Karn, it's kind of fun to watch Karn have a, a neat identity. In general, all the Planeswalkers in the set were trying to say, oh, you know, it's a little more narrow in what it's doing, but it can be really powerful in the right deck. And part of making so many Planeswalkers in standard at one time 
is making them such that not every planeswalker easily goes in every deck. You know what? You know, you're not. We don't want in standard to have like ten planeswalkers on one deck. I mean, that might be a super French deck, but in general, you know, barring a specially designed deck to do that, we didn't want that to be something that was just done all the time. Okay, next, Kazmina, enigmatic mentor, three and a blue, legendary planeswalker Kazmina, loyalty five. So it spells your opponent's cast to target a creature or planeswalker you control. Cost two more to cast. Minus two, create a 2-2 two, two blue wizard creature token. Draw a card, then discard a card. Um, so she's a brand new character. Uh, I will be very vague. I will say um, she is someone we have plans for. Uh, part of introducing new characters was not just making up characters for no reason, but a little bit of a, introducing you guys to some characters that maybe you'll see down the road. And so I will say that there's some plans for Kazmina. Um, she's a pretty cool character. We don't know a lot about her. Um, she's enigmatic by her name. Uh, I don't want to say too much about her. I will say this card was designed knowing who she is. And so there's a little bit a little bit of a nod of who she is based on this card. I mean, like, there's a little bit of stuff to figure out. But I, I don't want to tell you too much about her. Um, the reason she came about was when we were making the set and we filled it in, there ended up being some holes where we didn't have a clean character. The funny thing, by the way, is one of the reasons we made Kazmina was that we had a blue hole. Uh, we didn't think that Mu Yanling, the other Chinese planeswalker, was going to be in War of the Spark. And she ended up being in the novel, so she's there. Um, so anyway, we, we when making the set, we didn't think she was going to be there. And then I guess when um, Greg West was writing the book, he was interested in seeing whether she could be there. And the story people, the you know, franchise team was like, oh, sure, why not? Uh, anyway, so... Um, maybe if we were aware that Mu Yangling was going to be there, maybe this would have been... Uh, but but even though I like, I, I really like the idea of this was a great opportunity to introduce a couple new characters and get people to know them before they show up. Uh, so that you, when you when they show up, it's like, oh, it's that person. So um, I, I do think that Kazmina being here is going to do some good work. But anyway, she is very much enigmatic. Uh, Kazmina's Transmutation, one in a blue, Enchantment Aura, Enchant Creature. Enchant Creature loses all abilities and has base power and toughness one, one, one. Um, so one of the things we were very careful of is we wanted answers um, to cards in the set, but we really were trying hard not to hose a mass. Um, and so, for example, one of blue's normal things is a lockdown card. Creature doesn't attack. Well, that's really, you know, that and pacifism are really strong against the mass. Um... So instead, in blue, we made transmutation. So the idea is it's enchantment, it turns you into a 1-1. One, one. The reason it's not good against the army is the army has plus one, plus one counters. So let's say the army is, um, you know, a 4-4 four, four creature. Uh, putting tra chaos means transmutation on, all it does is makes it one bigger. It doesn't stop it. Now it's a 1-1 one, one with four plus one, plus one counters. And, you know, any other abilities that other things are granting. And so um, this was designed designed that it doesn't have to be useful against the army, but it's, it's very useful against other things, especially, by the way, uh, the gods. Um, I know a lot of people like, like to play blue or splash blue because this card is a very effective answer. It's a common answer to a lot of the rare bombs. So anyway, um, I, I think this card is a neat design. Next, Kaya, Bane of the Dead. Three hybrid, hybrid, hybrid. Hybrid is white or black, so three white or black, white or black, white or black. So six mana total, three of which is hybrid white or black. Legendary Planeswalker Kaya, loyalty seven. Your opponents and permanents your opponents control with hexproof can be the targets of spells and abilities you control as though they didn't have hexproof. Minus three XL target creature. 
Okay, so this ability started, this, I, I believe this is one of the earliest hybrid cards we made. We like the idea of a white-black card that exiled creatures. Um, the reason, by the way, she has such high loyalty is we wanted, the, we wanted the ability to be expensive so that it wasn't easy to proliferate. Like, one of the things that uh, Proliferate did was when trying to set boundaries of how powerful something was, we had to keep in mind how many proliferations got you to another use. So this is a very powerful card. So we wanted you to use it twice, but we didn't want it to be super easy to proliferate. So the answer to that was just make it cost a bunch of man uh, sorry, a bunch of energy, and then give her more energy when she comes into play. So, okay, it costs three energy. She comes in with seven. Uh, the reason we don't show seven is two uses, plus she can survive. Um, so really, you need to proliferate twice to be able to use her, one more her ability one more time. Um, her static ability is something that is not super useful, although in the right situation might be useful. Um, I know they spent some time coming up with this. One of, as a character, one of Kaya's big things is she's good at sort of getting to the creatures that can't get got. She's an assassin, and ghosts are traditionally hard to kill, being already dead, um, and, you know, intangible and such. But one of her things is that she can get to, you know, she can kill ghosts. She can herself become intangible, and thus she can get to things that normally can't be gotten to. So the, the ability of getting to Hexproof was basically that. Um, also, some of the static abilities like this one are things that maybe in Constructed might be something you're more conscious of, of needing as a tool. Um, her ability is pretty straightforward. She kills creatures. You know, for six mana, she exiles two creatures. So just forget her doing anything else. Just by that, it's pretty good. If her ability has any meaning to you, that might be important. And then, also in a deck with any kind of proliferation, it just takes two proliferations before she can kill a third creature, which is pretty good. Okay, next, Gaia's Ghost Form. Costs a single black mana, so there's one black, or costs black. Uh, it's an enchantment aura, enchant creature or planeswalker you control. When enchanted permanent dies or is put into exile, return the card to the battlefield under your control. Um, so this is a card we make from time to time, where the idea is you put it on your creature, and then if your creature dies, it gets to come back. Um, often we have to come back as a zombie. Uh, we, they didn't do that here, but often we will do that. Um, this one says creature or planeswalker you control because one of the things we were trying to do is look it's a planeswalker set and so we just try to make more cards that were planeswalker referencing than normal because there's 36 planeswalkers um, it allows us to reference planeswalkers in much lower rarities and just have a wider spread normally if you had three mythic rare planeswalkers you would we just be more shy at low rarities of just even mentioning planeswalkers because to people that aren't seeing them, it just, it feels like this extraneous text. Okay, next, Kiora, Be Behemoth Beckoner. Two and uh, hybrid mana. The hybrid is green or blue. So two, green or blue, three mana total, one of which is green or blue. Legendary Planeswalker, Kiora, loyalty seven. Uh, whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. And minus one, untap target permanent. So the interesting thing here is her better ability is a static ability. Uh, the static ability is a card drawing ability and allows you, um, basically what it says is, hey, play me with big creatures and I will net you card advantage. So she's really good in a deck that has big creatures. Um, she's designed to go in a ramp deck and the idea of her um, minus ability is it, I mean, you can use it on many different things. If you have giant creatures, maybe you want to untap them to block and stuff. But she also helps you because it's permanent to untap mana, untap land, so you can get mana. So she also, in the early game, kind of helps you ramp. So part of the idea is she can help you get out the bigger creatures, and then she rewards the bigger creatures. Um, Kiora's big shtick as a uh, 
as a character is she loves her giant sea monsters and so she just has affinity for giant creatures and so her cards tend to do that that's something in blue and green tend to overlap green uh, naturally has the largest creatures blue has a lot of serpents and things that are big and so that is kind of Kiora's thing to do okay next Krenko Tin Street Kingpin uh, two in the red he's a legendary creature goblin one two Whenever Krenko Tin Street, Street Goblin attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it, then create a number of 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens equal to Krenko. Okay, so once again, we are on Ravnica. We are back. Um, uh, Krenko showed up... What did he show up? Like a supplemental set? Um, Krenko is not a leader of the guild or anything, so he's one. That, it's a little bit harder to get him in a guild set, but we did include him. This is, the se- I think, the second Krenko. Um, he kind of leads the goblins, or, I mean, you know, he, he's... The idea essentially is he's he's on um, on Ravnica, kind of uh, the Goblin King of Ravnica. Although it's uh, he's more of a kingpin than than a traditional king or anything. Um, and uh, so the idea was just a different take on him. We liked the idea that he was aggressive. We liked the idea that he made uh, goblin. So uh, the thing that's kind of cool is he gets bigger and bigger the more he attacks, and he's creating more and more goblins. Um, I actually played against we um, on Tuesday. Uh, we have uh, at lunch we play. Um, we play the latest set, and so I I, I, uh, I I had to play against Krenko the other day, and at first he doesn't seem so bad, and then he, he gets out of hand pretty quickly. Um, I think my opponent at one point attacked with, like, 15 goblins, and then I lost. So, um, anyway, that is Krenko, Tin Street Goblin. Or, sorry, Tin Street, hard to say this, Tin Street Kingpin. That is not easy to say. Okay, next, Law Rune Enforcer. Costs a single white mana. Um, it's a human soldier, one, two, one and tap, tap target creature with permanent mana cost two or greater. So this is another example of us designing around a mass. Um, a mass is one of the mechanics in the set. We liked the idea that we had a tapper, tappers are valuable, uh, but we didn't want you just tapping down the army. So we came up with a clever solution is it can only tap things that cost two or more. Uh, and the clever thing about that is a mass is a token which costs zero. Um, so the good thing here is like it doesn't, Locked down little things. We've done we've done this before, so it doesn't lock down little things, which usually aren't that much of a threat. Um, but it can lock down the bigger creatures. But the one exception that gets through this is, oh, your army token, your zombie army token, doesn't cost more than two. So this isn't a good answer for stopping the zombie army. So the law rune enforcer can stop many creatures, but not the dread horde. Okay. Next, Liliana, dread horde general, four black black. So six mana total, two of which is black. Legendary Planeswalker Liliana, loyalty six. Whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. Plus one, create a two-two black zombie creature token. Minus four, each player sacrifices two creatures. Minus nine, each opponent chooses a permanent they control of, of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Okay, so first off, her, her static ability is a lot of the power of the card here. Uh, you know, normally, I mean, she is, uh, Liliana is a necromancer. Her cards all need to be necromancy themed. Um, now, one of the things people ask is why we didn't use a mass on Liliana. She, she is a planeswalker that would make sense with a mass. She's controlling them. I think we liked a lot the idea of how this one played, uh, and the fact that when each creature died, you draw a card, works better if you're making separate tokens. So obviously her plus one is making tokens. She's a necromancer. Um, 
Her minus four, uh, often she, she kills things. So kind of Liliana's big shtick is she can kill things and she can raise the dead. That's kind of her necromancer abilities. Uh, and then minus nine um, allowed her, her, her ultimate does basically a major sacking, you know, a major killing. Um, and the idea is because of her static ability, like she can be a little more killing oriented than normal. Um, and here, uh, her ultimate allows you to kill a lot of things, but also allows you to um, uh, draw a lot of cards off the thing. So uh, anyway, we expect Liliana. I think Liliana is a pretty strong card. I think people will be playing her in Constructed. Um, she's a mythic rare. So Liliana, um, in the Bolas story, um, I think, so from a writing standpoint, um, the character that has the biggest arc uh, is Liliana. She, she is probably the main character in, in the Bolas arc story. She's the one that goes through the greatest change. She's the one that, you know, um, secondarily, I think Gideon, I think Gideon is the second, uh, I mean, all the characters had some arc during the course of the story. Jace has an arc, Liliana has an arc, Gideon has an arc, Chandra has an arc, you know, all the major characters have arcs. But Liliana really has the biggest arc uh, and really is the character that goes through, has the biggest change during the course of what happens. Um, I mean, Gideon, uh, it would be number two. It's the reason Liliana and Gideon are um, the the, mythic, the gate watch that's, that's mythic rare. They have the biggest story. They play the largest role. Um, and so Liliana obviously plays a very, very big role in the story. Okay, next. Living Twister. Red, red, green. So three mana total. Two of which is red. One of which is green. Uh, it's an elemental. Uh, it's a two, five elemental. Um, for one and a red... Uh, you can discard a card, a land card, uh, and then it deals two damage to any target. Uh, for a green, you can return a land, a tapped land you control to its owner's hand. So essentially, um, there's a card called what's called Land's Edge um, that allows you to throw from Legends way back when. That allowed you to throw lands at the opponent, uh, and then we made a card. Uh, what's the card called? Uh, we made a card that allows you to discard random cards from your hand do damage. And then we made another card that lets you discard lands to do damage. Anyway, it's a reoccurring theme we've done. Uh, we like the idea of an elemental that's kind of throwing pieces of itself in some way at you. Um, and um, and this card also allows you to not only throw the land in your hand, but gives you access to the land in play. So if you want to, uh, I mean, you need the green mana to do it, but it allows you to sort of play your land, and then when you don't need it anymore, you can get it back to be able to throw it at your opponent. Okay, makeshift battalion, two and a white, creature, human soldier, three, two. Uh, whenever a makeshift battalion and at least two other creatures attack, put a plus one, plus one counter on makeshift battalion. So this is, uh, like I said, Dave Humphreys, who is the lead set designer of the set, likes putting in one ofs of existing mechanics without actually naming them, putting in ability words. Uh, and anyway, this is battalion. Uh, so Battalion is a mechanic designed by Sean Main for the second great designer search. It ended up being the Boros mechanic in Gatecrash. Um, and here it is on a soldier. We, we, um, one of the things that we wanted to demonstrate in this set was not only are the Planeswalkers fighting, the Ravnikins are fighting too. And so this is a little Boros soldier that is uh, giving him his all and fighting with others. And, you know, the more, more help he gets from other people, the, the stronger he gets. So... Um, this was a, a, a cute card that was definitely sort of um, making a nod toward the past and making a nod toward Ravnica's past um, in a way that I thought made a, made a cute card. Okay, next. Massacre Girl. 
So three black black, five mana total, two of which is black, uh, for four four legendary human assassin, a creature obviously. Uh, she has menace. When Massacre Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Massacre Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Okay, for starters, there's a character named Massacre Girl that I think was mentioned in the first novel. And people have been asking for Massacre Girl, just like Feather, for a long time. Uh, and she's one of these characters we kept trying to find a place to fit in. She's not a leader. Like, she's not a major player in her guild. So it's just hard when we're making the set, uh, making a guild set to include her. But we're in War of the Spark. We're on a Ravnica set. We don't have to do a guild things, meaning we can... This was the opportunity for us to make characters that we've been trying to make but had trouble making. Massacre Girl falls in that category. Um, I don't know a lot about Massacre Girl. I know she's in Rakdos. I know she killed a lot of people. So this was designed to kind of have this ripple effect where I come in, I do minus one, minus one to everything, but if even one thing dies, I, I shrink other things more. So the idea is she can come in and provided there's a nice sort of stepping stone of creatures, she can just wipe the board um, other than herself. Um, so that I think is, is kind of neat and does a really good job of kind of capture her flavor. I think Massacre Girl spreads disease, I think, or maybe she just enjoys killing things. I'm not 100% sure why they call her Massacre Girl, but I do believe it involves killing things because I don't think you get called Massacre Girl if you're a friendly person that doesn't harm people. Uh, anyway, and that is how we got Massacre Girl. Okay, next, Merfolk Skydiver. Okay, so Mer most, Merfolk Skydiver costs green and a blue. It's a two-mana total, one green, one blue. It's a 1-1 one, one flying Merfolk Mutant. Uh, it's a Simic, obviously, because there's Mutant on it. Uh, and it's a creature. Uh, so it flies. When Merfolk uh, Skydiver enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And then for three green and a blue, you can proliferate. So this is a card that lets you do repeatable proliferation. Um, I think this is designed as a draft around. I think I, my guess is this is an uncommon draft around. Um, the idea is, oh, green-blue is one of the color combinations that uses proliferate. If I pick this up early, it says, hey, I really want to have a proliferate deck. Look for things that are proliferatable. Um, and allows you to sort of pick up plus one, plus one counter cards, or maybe in blue some amass cards, or, you know, just things that are going to care and grow, or, or Planeswalker, uh, Planeswalker is obviously a big one. Um, so that is the green-blue deck, um, and this sort of encourages you to do that. Um, once again, as I've been saying, I've been going through, I really, really enjoy um, the number of stuff we've been doing to really make proliferate something that not only in Constructed can do something, but in Limited can really do something. And I, as uh, proliferates Papa, uh, it is fun to see it come back and just use it a little more aggressively than we did last time, where we were kind of afraid of it. Uh, next, Mizium Tank. Mizium Tank costs one red red, so three mana total, one of which is red. Uh, it's a vehicle, it's an artifact vehicle, 3-2. Uh, uh, it has Trample. It has whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Mizium Tank becomes an artifact creature. It gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, and crew one. So the idea is you need to crew this, but uh, if you cast non-creature spells, it just it naturally becomes, you don't have to crew it. It becomes uh, an artifact creature without you having to crew it, and it gets bigger. So it kind of has this prowessy kind of ability built in um, that turns it, not only gives it plus plus one, but also turns it on, makes it into um, a vehicle, you know, makes it into a creature. Um, so one of the things that we did in this set was um, we talked about doing vehicles in Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance. The problem is um, guild sets really want cycles, and if you're going to make, oh, 
this is an artifact for the is it? I believe this is, it is an artifact. Um, you then film planning to make an artifact, a vehicle for everybody, and not everybody really made sense to have a vehicle. So instead, this set, like there's a Demir vehicle and an Izzet vehicle and a Boros vehicle, because those made sense, but not everybody needs a vehicle. So a set that's not a guild set, but is on Ravnica, once again, frees us up to do some stuff we wouldn't normally do. Uh, and vehicles is one of those things. Uh, they're all in colors. All three of the vehicles in the set are in colors, because uh, after Kaladesh, we realized that gener using generic man, having colorless artifacts, um, really keeps us from being able to push them. Uh, that if something's good, it just goes in every deck because you know, it uses generic mana. So we're starting, you're going to see more and more of us using um, colored artifacts as just an evergreen thing, just something set to do. That doesn't mean every artifact will be colored. There'll be, still be colorless artifacts with generic mana, but those will be more all-purpose things and the things we're trying to more push uh, the, the stronger artifacts that aren't super niche. You can still be generic if you're very niche, but if you're generally useful, uh, you'll, you'll see more of us pushing into color and have color themes and have colored mana, uh, which is a good example of Mizium Tank. Like, Mizium Tank makes sense. You might want to put it in a green-blue deck that is spell-based um, or even artifact or enchantment-based, but you, 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 this is something that might be useful and might be powerful, but it is, um, because we have red mana, it, it's just not going in every single red deck. Um, this one also has a little bit of a niche to it, but um, anyway, I think it's kind of cool. Okay, next, Mau, Loyal Companion. Three and a green, so four mana total, one which is green. 3-3 three, three, Legendary Hound. It's a creature, obviously. It's got Trample and Vigilance. And uh, if one or more plus one plus one counters uh, will be put on Mawu, Loyal Companion puts that many plus one on instead. Now note, Mawu's, uh, Mawu's pal, Yangu, puts plus one plus one counters on things. So the cool thing here is, if you have Mawu out, well, every time Yangu uses his ability, Mawu gets not one counter, but two counters. Uh, and so it just makes it better. Like, um, they work well together. Uh, also, he's got Trample and Vigilance, meaning just as he gets bigger, even more and more powerful. And Mawu's shtick in the story uh, with Yangu is that Yangu helps make him bigger, and then he becomes really big. And that is kind of the... the Yangu has the ability to enhance any creature, but he particularly likes to make Mawu bigger. So, like, on Giant Growth, you'll see that Mawu is a thing being Giant Growth by Yangu. So that's kind of cute. Okay, next, Nahiri, Storm of Stone. Two hybrid hybrid, hybrid being red or white, so two red or white, red or white. So four mana total, two which is red or white. Legendary Planeswalker, Nahiri, loyalty six. As long as it's your turn, creatures you control have first strike and equip abilities you activate cost one less to activate. Uh, and minus action, Nahiri, Storm of Stone, deals X damage to target tap creature. Okay, a couple things going on here. First off, her shtick is that she's very good, she uses stone, and that she's very good with equipment. Um, so she grants first strike to your creatures, and when you attack, that's a sh something you'll notice we're doing a lot more here. Um, play design has started putting first strike more often as on your turn, so it's an aggressive thing and not a defensive thing. Um, so she references being equipped. There are no equipment in the set. Uh, it's not something we do all the time, but it really was flavorful to her. She really is tied to equipment, so we decided we'd grant her an ability that helps you with equipping things. Yeah, it wouldn't matter in limited, but it would matter in standard and casual constructed and, you know, commander and whatever legacy it's up uh, in modern. Um, so we definitely made reference to something that wasn't in the set. We don't do that a lot, but we felt the flavor made sense here. Um, and then um, she has the ability to damage things. She damages tapped things to sort of... Uh, make it feel a little more white. Um, 
and it's a minus X ability, so you know you can use as much loyalty as you need. Um, but uh, this is a neat thing. It's a minus X ability where you know you can use as many times as you want, just it adds up to doing six damage. So you can do six damage all at once. You can do five and one, four and two, three and three, you know, however you want to mix and match it. Uh, I kind of like it's kind of neat to have a minus X ability on a, an only minus Planeswalker. Also, obviously, it means as you uh, use Proliferate, it just makes her stronger as, as how many things, you know, how much damage she can do. Okay, next, Narset, Harder of Veils. One blue, blue, legendary Planeswalker, Narset, loyalty five. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Minus two, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them and put it into your hand for the rest of the cards at the bottom in random order. Um, okay, a couple things here. A, uh, Narset is smart and a knowledge-based um, a knowledge-based planeswalker. Um, and so we want to do things that related to that. We want to separate, keep her from Jace. So we made Jace more of a milling thing. Um, so she kind of, A, gets knowledge. So her, her minus ability is, you know, kind of impulsing um, for, uh, that, that's, um, for non-creature, non-land. So, uh, impulsing is, there's a card called Impulse way back in Magic, which you look at the top four cards and pick one of them. Uh, whenever you look at the top end cards of your library, uh, aren't you first that Impulsing? Uh, so this is Impulsing, uh, but for non-creature, you know, more for spell cards, non-creature, non-land cards. Um, she does fiction mana, she doesn't get creatures, but she comes with other things. Also, her static ability, which is one of those things, by the way, it is useful, but narrow, uh, and, and one of the complaints we've gotten is you know, your opponent's casting a cantrip, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, you don't get your cantrip. Um, it's something that doesn't come up often, but can come up and can be important when it does come up. Uh, I've, I've been told that she's going to probably be pretty good and constructed um, because the searching for things part is good, and the, the stopping the card drawing can be very powerful, especially as a sideboard card. Um, the reason she ended up in blue was uh, she was the the planeswalker is white blue the character is white red blue in well we, first time we met her she was white red blue then the timeline changed and she became white blue and she became a planeswalker um, so our thought on her is she's a white blue character um, with some potential for red although she doesn't currently have red but she could in theory grow to get red we know that um, she has the potential within her to have red uh, and the right story beat clearly she can get red but anyway um, white blue, Dovin was white blue, and Teferi was white blue. Dovin was the leader of the Azorius and part of the story, um, and Teferi is part of the Gatewatch. Uh, so we knew that we wanted Teferi to be rare white blue. We knew we wanted Dovin to be uncommon white blue. That meant that if we wanted Nurse in the story, she couldn't be white blue. Um, she's a knowledge-based character, um, so just based kind of thematically in what she does, and then the being the right color to do the card effects that we need her to do mean that she needed to be blue. And we said, okay, you know, she is a little bit more, as a knowledge-based character, she's a little more base blue. Um, and we have a bunch of blue-white characters. So we decided that we put her in mono blue. That doesn't mean if you see her again, she won't be blue-white. She could even potentially be blue-white-red, depending on the story. Um, but anyway, that was that's what we did there to, to set her up. Okay, next, Neoform. So Neoform is a sorcery. It costs green and a blue. So two mana total, one green, one blue. As an additional cost to cast a spell, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield with additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Then shuffle your library. So there's a card in Antiquities, way, way back when, called 
uh, what was it called? Transmute Artifact, uh, which took an artifact and did exactly this, where you got a second artifact and then go get an artifact that was one up to one bigger in its mana cost. Um, that card has inspired many things. Um, now, I did not make... I don't think I made this one. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Um, it's the kind of card I would make. I don't think I made this one. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember making it. So odds are I didn't, because I don't remember making it. It's the kind of card I would make, though. Um, and this is kind of doing Transmute Artifact for Creatures. Um, we've played in this space before. Um, there was a very famous card that did that. Um, uh, I'm blanking the name, but you all know the card because it was very, very famous. Um, anyway, this adds the extra of putting the plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, there's a proliferate theme in green, blue, so that's how it helps play into the proliferate theme. And just gives, yeah, just, I like when we redo effects, but, you know, just add a little something different so it plays a little bit different. I like how this displays a little bit different. Um, so that is pretty much a, a, a cool card. Okay, next, Nicole Bolas, Dragon God. Blue, black, 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 red. So five mana total, three of which is black, one blue, one red. Legendary Planeswalker Bolas, loyalty four. Nicole Bolas, Dragon God, has all loyalty abilities of all other Planeswalkers on the battlefield. Plus one, you draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus three, destroy target creature or Planeswalker. Minus eight, each opponent who does it control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. Okay, a lot going on here. First off, he is a four ability planeswalker. Uh, we decided that all four of the, or sorry, all three of the mythic rarers would have four slots. Um, uh, he and Liliana have one um, static triggered ability and three uh, loyalty abilities. Um, Gideon has two static triggered abilities and two uh, loyalty abilities. Uh, I don't know when we added... We knew, we knew like, before we ever got here, we knew that he was going to have a static ability. Um, in fact, for a while, long before we, we got to vision design, there was going to, he was going to be the one card that introduced the concept of static ability. Like, there was a period in time where he was going to be a four-ability a four, four planeswalker and the first one ever really to have a static ability. I guess there were some uh, Garrick and, and Arlen stuff that, that sort of had a static ability. Um, and this can be your commander type stuff. But anyway, the first guy introducing of a natural uh, trigger or static ability. Um, and uh, I don't remember when we gave him the Gets Everybody's Loyalty. That's a pretty cool ability, though. Uh, and if it makes the card super fun. Um, his plus one, uh, we like giving card drawing uh, to, to Planeswalkers just it helps you get things to defend them. Uh, and the idea that I draw a card and you lose a card, or if you don't have a card, you lose something else. I, mean, I guess you can lose... But the idea, essentially, I go up, you go down, seems very bolus. Um, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Look, that's his little shtick right now. He's just, he's killing planeswalkers, and why not let you kill creatures for utility purposes? And then his ultimate is, um, you know, he is, he, we wanted to say that this is, this is the final end game. Uh, so here's the ability that can win the game for you. Now, it might not always win the game for you, but can win the game for you. Uh, and we've never before had a, um, an ultimate. I think we haven't had an ultimate that said you win the game. We've had a lot of ultimates that, yeah, you're probably going to win the game. But this is one that literally says, I win the game. I don't, th I don't think we've done that before. Jace is the first one that said an ult-win condition. And I think this is the first one that just says, a uh, target player loses... I mean, actually, it doesn't say you win the game. It says a player loses the game. But we have the first you win the game and the first they lose the game as ultimates on Planeswalkers. So that was kind of cool. Um, now, originally, by the way, this card, uh, its red and blue mana were hybrid. When we first made the card, we the idea was we were trying. He's the only three color card in the set, and we were trying to make it a little bit easier and make it so more decks might be able to play Nicole Bolas. 
And so originally we had, it was like red or blue hybrid, red or blue hybrid, black, 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 I think was what it was originally. Um, and at some point along the way, they decided that was confusing. Um, and the, I mean, the there were the hybrid planeswalkers that had all the hybrid, but this was kind of like, oh, it was the only one that did that. And anyway, they ended up putting it back to three color. But we tried for those red, blue, and uh, red, black uh, bowls players. We tried to help you. Okay, Nissa, who shakes the world. Three green, green, legendary planeswalker Nissa, loyalty five. Whenever you tap a forest for mana, add an additional green mana. Plus one, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control. Untap it, it becomes a zero, zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that's still a land. So the idea essentially is um, you can turn your creatures into three threes, but it's, it's designed such that you can't turn a three three into a six six because it's now a creature. Um, and then uh, her ultimate is minus eight. You get an emblem with lands you control of indestructible. Search your library for another for any number of forest cards. Put them on the battlefield. Tap then shuffle your library. Uh, so the idea here is she wakes up land. Her, her whole shtick, uh, this whole shtick is she bonds with land, has a uh, land-based ability, so she's getting you mana, and she's turning your lands into uh, elementals. Uh, and then uh, she's the only of all 36 planeswalkers that you find in packs, um, and, and, and I don't think it's true of, of Tesra as well. Of all the planeswalkers in War of the Spark, she's the only emblem. She's the only one that makes an emblem. Uh, because of all the static abilities and stuff, we didn't really need emblems, but uh, to make this one card work, we did need an emblem. And we love the idea that her ultimate is that her army just can't be killed now. And so she's you know, constantly turning things. Like the, one of the ways that she had, like she starts with loyalty five. So to get it up to eight, she had to at least turn three lands into um, elementals. And then if she uses her ultimate, then at bare minimum, there's now three, you know, unkillable three threes out there. And maybe she even used more. Maybe she made four of them so she'd survive. Who knows? So anyway, um, that is Nissa. Uh, so Nissa, um, I guess in the book she rejoins the Gatewatch. I didn't know that in my article. I would have mentioned that. that I hadn't read the book yet when I wrote my article uh, about um, I was doing my card by card stuff. Uh, anyway, Nissa is back and um, kicking some butt. So we, we like having some. We like butt kicking Nissa. She's pretty cool. So anyway, that is Nissa sh- uh, shakes who shakes the world. Um, next, Niv Mizzet reborn. Uh, white, blue, black, red, green, legendary dragon avatar, 6-6. Six, six. Obviously a creature. Uh, flying. When Niv Mizzet Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen into the into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. So essentially the idea here is, this is a guild card where you look at the top 10 cards and for every... For once for each guild, each two-color combination, you can cast a card for free. So the idea is, in a, in a five-color deck, assuming you're playing with lots of two-color cards, he can cast a whole bunch of two-color cards. Uh, the dream, obviously, is he casts ten cards that requires you have not only no land, but one of each of the ten guilds, com- color combinations, each of the ally color combinations. Um, but he is exciting, and he was made to be a real fun commander. He's, he's five colors, so you can play whatever cards you want. He's a commander that wants you to play lots and lots and lots of two-color cards. Uh, and then all sorts of fun things can happen when you use him. Uh, the one big problem with this card was uh, Niv-Mizzet had died in the Ravnica Elysian story, uh, but it wasn't due to all a bunch of factors, including the card that was supposed to tell that somehow not getting into the stat. People didn't know he died, so this was didn't quite play out quite as much as we hoped. Um, hey, he's reborn. Everyone goes, but 
Uh, when did he die? Uh, and so that that's one of the stories that kind of fell through the cracks. Um, I know we're putting, uh, hopefully by now, the Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica, the stuff Django wrote, you guys will get to see. It explains all the, that story. Uh, I apologize, it didn't. Um, the, uh, the card that showed him dying, I don't know what happened to that. I need to find out that story. But uh, you were supposed to know in Ravnica Allegiance on a card that he had died. Uh, but that didn't happen. So him being reborn, I guess, could have been a little bit more exciting if you were first aware that he had died. Um, this is a real fun card. It's the only five-color card in the set. Bolsa is the only three-color card. This is the only five-color card. Um, it was designed specifically to be a really fun commander and to just let the visit do something cool and splashy. Okay, guys. So how are we doing on time today? Uh, oh, pretty good. A little, little extra traffic, so a little more for you. So I'm not done yet. I'm up to O. So next time, I will start with O. But anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying my walk through War of the Spark. I'm enjoying it on my end. But as I'm now at work, we all know what that means. This is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.